Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody at Four Points? Good. Everybody good? Everybody ready for the Super Bowl? Boy, I tell you, I can just tell you I'm really excited. You're about as excited about the Super Bowl as I am. I don't even think I have. Somebody asked me today who you're pulling for, and I'm like, well, who's playing? So that kind of tells you a little bit about how excited I am about it. But, hey, I'm sure some of you are going to love that. Uh, we've been in this series called It's Time To, and we've had, we've had different things we've talked about. We said, it's, you know, it's time to change. It's, it's time to, to leave. Uh, it, it's time to create some space. We talked about it's time to rest. And then we're going to kind of wrap this thing up today with, it, with it's time to take a leap. It's time to go. It's, it's time to take a leap. But you know, maybe before we do that, the Bible has given us a lot of instructions, kind of a GPS, a guide, and you know, we don't necessarily pay a whole lot of attention sometimes to what the Bible says, and, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. But have you ever noticed sometimes what some warning labels say? And, and when you think about these warning labels, you've got to realize that somebody was dumb enough that they had to put the warning label on there, Okay? Caution, hot beverages are hot on a Starbucks cup. Okay, somebody didn't know that, I guess. In a manual for a microwave oven, do not use for drying pets. <laughs> Boy, some pet lover out there, I guess. Have you ever noticed what your hair dryer says? Don't use in the shower. Okay, Vern, hope you got that. You know, we, we need these warning labels. On a portable stroller, remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> I can see somebody right now calling up the manufacturer. This thing just won't fold. Well, Vern, did you move the kid? Oh, you know, maybe we just need to heed the warnings. And probably my favorite one says, may contain nuts on a package of peanuts. <laughs> but sometimes we, we just don't, don't read the label, do we? But if we're going to take a leap, James gives us some instruction. James, the brother of Jesus, okay? And as we read this, think about that this was a guy that, that his brother was the son of God and he lived with him basically his whole life and didn't realize it. He didn't get it until after his brother had been crucified and, and was risen from the dead. So he writes to us in, in James chapter 1 a very powerful message here. Look what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Heed the warning. Anybody who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Heavenly Father, we have already worshipped you and called on you and felt your presence. And now, Father, may you speak this morning through your word and may you guide us in the next step, the individual steps that each, each of us must take. Father, for those here this morning that may be hurting and Wondering and 
looking for some peace, looking for some answers. Maybe somebody here today looking for a Savior. Father God, may they find that here. And we love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your holy name. Amen. Key word I want you to notice there is, is that word deceive. Because basically what James is saying to us is don't deceive yourself. Because here's a guy that for most of his life he was deceived. So when he talks about that, he's talking about it from a personal standpoint. You see in the book of John says the word was among us and the word was God. So when he's saying just do what it says, maybe he's talking about experiencing that his own brother was the word and was among him and he never realized it. When you look at that word there, deceive, it basically has several meanings. It means to corrupt. So in other words, if, if you let, don't read the Word of God and really practice it and do what it says, then it, it, it can be corrupt. It can draw a false impression. It, it, it can confuse. So in other words, that's what that word there, deceive, means. Don't corrupt yourself. Don't draw a false impression. Don't confuse yourself by just listening to the Word and not doing what it says. As I thought about this these last couple days and this last week, I realized that happens every single week. You know what happens? On Sunday morning in churches. Because we, we come and, and we worship and, and we listen to music and we read a scripture and we listen to a message and we take some notes and we raise our hands and, and we, we just get excited and then we get up and we walk out and we go home and we don't do anything. We, we really don't do what it says and, and basically we make no application. Quit deceiving yourselves. You know, after, you know, Pastor Jenny last week brought that message about rest, you know, I, about Thursday, I realized I haven't, I haven't rested. I, I was so focused on bringing you guys a message, I didn't rest. And so I came over here and, and I tried to be quiet for an hour. Boy, it was hard and I didn't make it. But I did sit there and just tried to rest. And I came over here yesterday and I tried to rest. James says, don't deceive yourselves. Don't do that. There's also a word there that talks about to be a doer of the word, to, to, to basically do what it says. It, it's, it comes from a word that means to perform or to produce. So as we look at that passage of Scripture in, in that context, it says, do not merely listen to the Word and corrupt yourself or confuse yourself, but let it produce in you or perform in you what it's talking about. That's what James is saying here in this passage of Scripture. That's the literal translation, to be a performer of what God's Word says. To create a space... So the Word of God can work in your life. So here's my first thing this morning. Don't deceive yourself. It's time to just do it. What is maybe one thing that you just need to do? We're already a month into the new year. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution again, okay? I'm talking about what is maybe one thing that you really just need not to listen to in God's Word, but you need to just do it. 
1998, that was one of the most famous taglines that had ever been, I guess, thought about or, or, or caught was, was those three words, just do it. But as we think about those three words, they basically summarize the gospel, don't they? They summarize the Bible, just do it. Do not listen to what the Bible just says, but just do it. Go, take some actions, take a leap. I, I, I got some words from a great theologian that I thought you might like this morning and I wanted to share with you because it's a lot about taking a leap. And, and I want you to just listen to that this morning. I hope it's on your level. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. All the places I'll go, you'll be on the way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar the high heights. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. All alone, whether you like it or not, all alone is something you'll be quite a lot. But when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll be happening too. Kid, you'll move mountains, so be your name Buxabum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai, Alive and Allen or Shay. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so go on your way. How many of you know who wrote that? Dr. Seuss. I hope it was on your level because it was definitely on mine. It's time to go on your way. Congratulations. Today is your day. So what keeps us from just doing it? Deception. What is deceiving you? What is corrupting your confidence? What is giving you a false impression? What is not letting you produce what God wants to produce in your life? The Bible says that we're created in God's image, right? The Bible says that we are His masterpiece. The Bible says to take every thought captive. The Bible says to cast all your cares on Him. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, to pray about everything. Do we just listen or do we do? Claim those words in the Scripture because they're written just for me and you, okay? Be doers of the Word, not just hearers. Just do it. Go. There's a great story in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about, about Abram and Sarah. You probably, a lot of you know the story, and his name was later changed to Abraham. And it illustrates, I think, what James is trying to tell us in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, where he says there to just do it. Because in, in this passage of Scripture, God comes to a man named Abraham, a nomad, okay, a sheep herder, and he's from a city called Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. His father had moved there years ago. And they worship a god named Nanner. Nanner was a false moon god. So what's significant about this situation and about Abraham is that God chose to use somebody, a guy that his only exposure to religion was to worship the moon. Kind of strange, wouldn't you think? But God gave him a simple, direct command to walk away from everything you've known, to leave your country, your people, your father, 
your household, and go to a land that I will show you. Look exactly what God says here. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless people through you. Many people will be blessed because of you. And here's this guy named Abraham wondering, well, well, God, how in the world can this happen to me? And I hope it's obvious to you as, as you read this, before you can ever go somewhere, you have to leave, right? You have to leave what's known. You have to leave your comfort zone. You have to leave what's predictable to step into your destiny, to step into what God wants you to do. What is the leap of faith that you've been struggling with, the leap of faith that you've been talking about, thinking about for years, and you've never took the leap? Can you imagine the kind of things that might have been going on in Abraham's mind? Well, well, God... I've lived here for years, and, and God, I really like it here. And my dad's here, my home's here, all my friends are here. And, and God, I've got this nice tent. Have you seen my tent? And it's not a movable tent, it's a permanent tent. And, and God, Sarah, I'm not so sure she's going to be into this. Have you ever noticed how we make excuses a lot of times when, when God wants us to do something? Or we make excuses when our spouses want us to do something? Or we make excuses for not really doing what we know we need to do? We make excuses for not taking the leap? Do you know what excuses are? They're lies that nobody believes but us. That's what excuses are. I, as I was thinking about that, it could, it didn't, you know, I, just, I guess my mind just kind of drifted off a little bit there. But to think about some of the biggest lies that men tell their wives, no elbowing here, okay? I'm listening. I promise, I'm listening. I heard everything you said. I don't need to ask directions. I know where I'm going. Your hair looks great. What are you worried about? You know, and it looked like it just went through a hurricane, but hey, it looks great. And ladies, I'm not going to let you off the hook, okay? It doesn't cost anything to look. I'm, I promise I'm not going to talk long. I thought it was on sale. Huh? Can you imagine Abraham talking to God? God, a great nation's going to come from, from me and, and Sarah? Uh, God, we have zero kids, and, you know, God, it's been a lot of fun, but we're kind of up in the air, and, you know, that chapter sailed, okay? You imagine those things he was thinking? God, I worshiped the moon, or my family did, and you're going to bless people through me? Listen to me this morning. Quit making excuses and let God bless somebody through you. If God gives you a gift, if God is telling you to take a leap, did you know it's not about you? It's about somebody else. Take the leap. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him to. That's what it says in verse 4. You know what I think is amazing about this? Look what it says. There's the last part of it. And go to the land that you know you're going to go to. God said, leave, go, and I will show. He didn't even tell him where he's going. You imagine telling your wife, hey, fix the move over here. Where are we going? I don't know. God just said he'd tell us. 
Man, look at, look at the faith there. Look at the leap. So you say, well, 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 Pastor, how in the world can we prepare ourselves to go? How can we prepare to just do it? How can we prepare to take the leap? Look, look here, because there are some things that get in our way. Some things we have to deal with. Some things we have to identify. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, look what it says. Therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore, it's fixing to tell you what it's there for, okay? So here's therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud or great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, in other words, these are other believers that surround us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us or trips us up, okay? And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now picture a race here. Okay, that's what it's about. It's, and the Christian life, be sure you understand this. The Christian life is not a sprint. Some of us get confused about that. The Christian life is a marathon, okay? It's a long journey. And we're all on that journey if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we get confused about the sprint, okay? It's not that. It's, 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 it's a marathon. And, and, and the passage of Scripture here is saying that if you're going to run the marathon, the race, you need to take off everything, the weights that are holding you back, okay? The, the weights that are weighting you down, that are keeping you from finishing or basically keeping you from running that race. And notice it says there, run before us. It's your race, not somebody else's. If you're trying to run somebody else's race, that's a, that's a weight. You're not going to make it. And then it talks about the sin there. I think that's that little sin that we struggle with. That little sin that keeps popping its head back up. That little sin that we just can't seem to get a hold of. And did you know something? We talk about weights here. Those weights are not necessarily sins. Okay? In other words, there can be something in your life that is not a sin, but it is holding you back and keeping you from taking the leap. What about some of those things? What about worry? What about fear? Insecurity? Comparison? You know what we do sometimes? We compare our weaknesses with everybody else's strengths and wonder, and then we don't think we measure up. And then Satan will take that and just totally defeat you. Don't do that. That's so dangerous. The weights and sin cause us to live like Christian atheists. I read this the other week in a book by Greg Groeschel. We live like Christian atheists. We believe in God but live as though he does not exist. Wow. What a powerful statement. We believe in a powerful, all-knowing merciful God, but we live like He doesn't exist. We, we, we believe in a God, but we have no peace and no power because we're being deceived. And we're not doing it. We're not doing what God's Word says. We're not reading the warning labels. We're not reading the advice. You know, I think one of the biggest weights that we have in our life is, is a lack of faith or doubt. Can any of you identify with that? Can I just be honest with you? I, I know I'm a pastor and you may just boot me after this and think, well, you know, hey, we need to get another one, you know, which you're going to get one later anyway. Okay. Sometimes I struggle with doubt. Okay. 
it's, it's one of my biggest weights. And I think, I think we, we all struggle with doubts. But we don't want to admit it. Well, Stephen, we're not supposed to struggle with doubts. We're not supposed to ha- have a, a lack of faith. There's somebody here today, maybe, you've been searching out Christianity. You, you, you're, you're not sure if you want to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not sure if, if you understand that. And, and the reason is because you, you have some doubts. There, there's a lack of faith, maybe, and, and you just can't totally grasp it. Maybe that's where somebody's at this morning and, and you're seeking but you're not there yet because that doubt is just holding you back. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus and, and you're a believer but that doubt, that lack of faith is keeping you from taking the leap. It's keeping you from doing what you need to do. It's keeping you from going. There's, there's a passage of scripture here because see I believe the Bible says something about a, our doubt and our lack of faith and I don't you look at this this morning don't be deceived by your doubt don't be deceived by your lack of faith you say well pastor is that what the Bible says sure in, in Mark's gospel Chapter 9, in, in verse 22 there, there's a story there about a dad who brings his son to Jesus to be healed. And his son was possibly possessed by a demonic spirit. And maybe some of you feel the same way at times. I did with my kids, okay? And so the dad brings him to Jesus and he says to Jesus, is this not exactly what we do? But if you can do anything, take pity on us. I would have loved to have been there to watch what Jesus said. Because basically, here's what Jesus said. It's in the scripture. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, the Father says. Look what Jesus says. If I can do anything? Echo Jesus. In other words, I breathed the galaxy into being with a whisper. I created the world. I created you. I made the water and the mountains and the rain. And you're asking me if I can help your son. And he goes on to say, all things are possible to him who believes. And then look immediately what the father said. The honesty, the transparency. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Wow. I love that passage, guys. Because my faith is imperfect. My faith sometimes is insecure. It's flawed. It's lacking. And maybe so is yours. And I love that in this passage of Scripture, God gives me permission to believe in Him. And yet, ask Him to help me when I don't. I hope that helps you today. Because when I'm struggling in my faith, God says it's okay. Just ask me. I, I will help you. I understand. Don't be deceived by your lack of faith. He said, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here, like I said, and you don't know Jesus. Take the step. There can be some doubts there. He will help you in your unbelief. This this father here is pleading with Jesus and he's saying, don't let my doubt 
keep you from healing my son. Don't let my insecurity, don't let my lack of faith. That's what the Father's saying here. And I think in a sense he's all, all, it's kind of saying, if you can't help my son, then help me deal with it. You ever been there, parents? I don't know if I can take any more of this, God. And he understands. He's there. He understands us when we plead. Don't let your doubt deceive you. Don't let your doubt hold you back. Admit that lack of faith and, and just do it. Just take the leap. Release the weight that's holding you down. Can you know something this morning? That God can use you despite your lack of faith. That thing where you won't take the leap on because you're concerned, you're doubtful, there's a lack of faith, God can still use you. Because it's not your faith necessary. It's who you have your faith in. The Bible says if I have faith as a side of a mustard seed, I can move a mountain. Wow. So it's okay to have a lack of faith. Because that doesn't keep God from being God. It's okay. So don't be deceived by your doubt. But here's the last thing I want you to see. The last point I've got for you. Don't be deceived by what you don't have. How many times do we make that excuse? God, I, I'm not like so and so. God, I can't do what they do. God, I, this is all I can do. You ever feel that way? Like I said, we, we compare our weaknesses to somebody else's strength. In, in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story there about a widow who had lost her husband. And, and as we study that passage, we, we believe his name was possibly Obadiah. And he was basically the caretaker for the prophets. And he had died. And when he died, he left a lot of debts. And, and some believe the debts were even stuff he had paid for to take care of the prophets. And so Elisha comes along, a prophet, and, and he sees his, his wife there and she's distressed and she's beside herself and, and she says, Elisha, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't have anything. And, and the creditors are saying, if, if you don't pay up, we're going to take your boys. In other words, they didn't play around with debt back in those days. You pay up and your sons are going to be slaves. She lost her husband. And now they're about to take her two boys, the only thing she has. And I think it's amazing. So what does Elisha do? He doesn't say this or that. Or if you do. He says, what do you have? I think that's what God's saying to you today. What do you have? Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. And what does she say? Well, I don't have anything. All I have is a jar of oil. It's all I've got. Look what he says. Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So basically, she went and got a bunch of jars... She comes back. She did exactly what he said to do. 
And then basically, as she poured the oil from that one jar, it filled all the other jars. And then look what she said. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there are no jars left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. God just used what she had. All she had was enough. It was what God wanted to use. You notice here in this passage of scripture, God didn't choose how much oil she received. She did. She got the jars. God provided the oil. She provided the quantity. Oil in the scripture represents the Spirit of God. Listen to me this morning. You will control how much of the Spirit of God you want into your life. You want to be filled up by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God? Then make yourself available to that. Make yourself where God can fill you. Take the leap. Take the step. She tried to minimize what she had. I've just got a jar of oil. Guys, I don't know how many times I have done that. Have you ever done that? God, this is all I got. You can't use this. Let me tell you something. God wants to use just what you have because he gave it to you. Because you're special and he designed you for that. But the first thing we do, we say, God, it's too small. It's it's too insignificant. Don't be deceived. Don't let the enemy tell you what you have is, is not any good. It's not what God can use. Because it's exactly what you need. I think we just need to go get some containers and start pouring. Who are you pouring yourself into? You see, when you take the leap and you start pouring, God will keep pouring as long as you pour. And he'll fill your jars up. You will limit the quantity. Did you know that 80% of the people can do exactly what you can do? They really can. They can answer the phones. They can attend meetings. They can check emails. They can go to lunches and dinners. And 15% of the people can do exactly what you do if they had the same training you had, if they had the same education you had. They can do that. They can run a program, they can teach a class, they can fix a problem. All they needed was a training. But now get this. But only 5% of what you do, only you can do. Only 5% of what you do, only you can do. Only you can be a father or mother to your children. Only you can be a husband or wife to your spouse. Only you can be a sibling to your brother or sister. Only you can grow spiritually. Only you can be disciplined to do what you need to do. Only you can take the leap that God has designed you to do. Now here's what we do. Please listen to me. We focus on the 95% that everybody else can do. Instead of the 5%, we neglect it. We neglect what only we can do. Go, 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 go. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, look what 
Scripture says to us. Look how God speaks to us about going and about the 5%. I know everything you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. God's got an open door for you. It's not all about what you can do, what you can't do, but it's about being obedient. Be what God called you to be. There's a front page article in the San Francisco Chronicle a couple years ago about a young lady by the name of Linda. And, and, and Linda was a bus driver. And it was pretty amazing that in the front page of a major newspaper that an article would be written about someone who drives a bus. Because 95% of the people could definitely do that. But Linda's not just any bus driver because she knows her 5%. If passengers were going to be late and she knew about it, she would actually wait on them because she could make the time up later. One time there was an 80-year-old lady that, that was, was getting her groceries and sitting on a bench and she couldn't seem to get them all to ride the bus, but this lady was a regular. So Linda turned the bus off, took her seatbelt off and got off the bus and went and helped her get her luggage and brought it back on the bus. And then one day, it was a day or two before Thanksgiving, she noticed in front of a shelter there was this girl named Tanya that was there and she hollered over to Tanya and said, You look lost. Where are you going to spend Thanksgiving? And she says, by myself. And she says, hey, how about coming and spending it with me and the kids? And now her and Tanya are friends. The reporter who wrote this article had, had rode the bus a couple times and he heard people talk about her. So he decided to ride it for a, for a number of days and weeks just to see if this was for real. And he noticed that as passengers would get on the bus, they knew that Linda loved scarves, and so they would bring her different kinds of scarves. And one lady actually brought her a fur scarf. They'd bring her flowers and bouquets, and, and there were some very affluent people that got on the bus, and they even let her use their vacation property because she had made such a big difference in her life. Think about this unglamorous, non-prestigious job of driving a bus with crying and loud people. She didn't make a lot of money. She, she was in traffic jams, cranky passengers, gum on the seat, spills on the floor. And so the reporter didn't understand. How do you do it, Linda? How can you do this? And she said, it starts very early in the morning. She says, I sit down when I wake up and I spend some time with the Father. And I ask Him to help me through the day and I read my Bible and I ask Him to help me to see people that need Him and need to be touched and to give me the patience and love to be what he created me to be. And the reporter printed the words just like she said. And so on the front page of a major newspaper was a woman who'd taken a leap that used just exactly what she had to be Jesus to people that don't necessarily see him in a church or a synagogue or in a family. 
I have an open door for you that nobody can close. It's not based on how powerful you are. It's based on your obedience and my faithfulness, God says. So I think it's time to ask yourself, what does God want me to want? If you're going to allow God to be the author of your story, what needs to change? What's the next step? What's the leap that you need to take? What's deceiving you? Is it you? There's an open door. Unlimited opportunities. That door is not based on your ability. It's based on your obedience. And it starts exactly where you are. Right where you are. Basically, God is calling you this morning to surrender to Him. To just give it up and say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to be what you want me to be. What's hindering that? But if you're going to do what God is calling you to do, before you can go, you've got to leave. And maybe there's an area of your life that you've got to leave. There's something that's been holding you back for years. There's something you've been battling. There's something you won't let go, whether it's a weight or a sin. What is that? What's keeping you from taking that leap this morning? Is it doubt? Have you let the lack of faith and some doubt in your life keep God from being who God is? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You don't have to be perfect. Because if you are, please don't stay here because you'll be out of place. Okay? We're just a bunch of imperfect people worshiping a perfect God. God is drawing you. God is seeking you. God is pursuing you. Don't be deceived. God wants a relationship with you. You're a child of His, but He gives you the choice. He gives you the choice whether you want to pursue that. It's up to you. Just do it. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much. For Your Word, Your power, Your presence, and Your praise. Father, in the silence of this moment, I believe there's some here that are battling and doing some work with you. Maybe thinking about that doubt, that lack of faith. God, they're, they're just gripping themselves in that area that you're challenging them to let go. Father, I pray as we continue to worship, as we lift you up, Father God, you will be that connecting piece. Father, they'll trust you. They'll take the leap. In your holy and powerful name we pray, Jesus. Thank you for being here with us. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.